This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. to uh, talk today with Monica Kelsey, um, who's here to talk with me about Safe Haven Baby Boxes. Monica, thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I heard about the baby boxes through our mutual friend, Linda, of He Knows Your Name. Um, Of course, she's just a huge supporter of what you're doing with the baby boxes, and her organization is so great as well. Um, Now, just to kick it off, I guess, we're talking about the baby boxes. Can you tell me what is this product? Uh, What is it so we know what we're talking about? Well, the Safe Haven baby boxes uh, are literally boxes that are placed in locations like hospitals and fire stations that allow a mother who doesn't want or can't care for her newborn child to surrender that child in a safe, legal, warm environment where uh, a police officer, a firefighter, or a hospital personnel is going to pick up this child within a matter of minutes. Um, And and it it alleviates the ability. Uh, abandonments that are happening in our country. Like we find babies in dumpsters and trash cans all the time. And and you hear these horrible stories, but nobody's really doing much about it. And so I came up with this product, this, um, this box, and uh, I am super stoked to be the one, you know, um, spearheading this project. Christ has put me in a Um, a pretty important role. And I'm just blessed to be able to do it. But the boxes are literally saving lives in multiple locations right now. And um, uh, we're just, we're super excited to see where where Christ is going to lead us next. So you have a really personal story that goes with, you know, what's behind you being inspired to start this. Uh, Tell us your backstory and how you came to be where you are now. Well, you know, I always knew that I was adopted. Um, My parents growing up, were told that my birth parents were young and love and couldn't care for me. So they placed me for adoption. And so my adoptive parents never made it a secret that I was adopted. I just thought that it was normal, you know, when people in high school or, or not high school, but middle school and elementary school would come up and, and they would talk about not being adopted. I'm like, really? Like, that's just not even cool, you know, because it was just so normal for me. My parents just made it so normal. And so growing up, you know, I, um, I graduated high school, joined the United States military, spent eight years in the military. And then, you know, I, I got out of the military, married the love of my life and wanted to kind of um, know where I came from. And so I started searching for my biological parents and I got to meet my biological mother when I was 37 years old. And that became the literally the best day and the worst day of my life because of the circumstances of that day. And, you know, um, all I ever wanted to do was just hug her and, and, and tell her thank you um, for, for giving me the life that I that I have. And that day I got so much more. Um, she uh, told me this this situation that happened back in 1972, and uh, it was August 25th of 1972 uh, when a young 17-year-old girl was brutally attacked and raped and left along the side of the road. And this, of course, was when um, abortion was illegal in our country, even in the cases of rape and incest. And she pressed charges against the man who had raped her, and he was arrested, and he was charged. And then if that wasn't the worst of it, you know, six weeks later, she finds out she's pregnant. 
And at the advice of her mother, she found herself at a back alley abortion facility in um, October of 1972. And while standing in front of the man that was going to take her child's life, the 17 year old girl was strong enough to say, no, I can't do this. Um, and she left. She never looked back and she was hidden for the remainder of the pregnancy, gave birth in April of 1973 and abandoned her child. Uh, two hours after that child was born and that child was me. So my biological father is a rapist and and I don't even know my ethnicity, um, but I'm still a human being and I still have value and my life isn't worth less just because of the way I was conceived. And I didn't deserve the death penalty for the crime of my biological father. And, you know, in 1973, there was no safe haven law. You know, my birth mom was charged with abandonment um, and they did find her and they offered her the option to sign adoption papers or go to jail. And so they dropped the abandonment charge. She signed adoption papers. And um, eight weeks later, I, I uh, was placed with my adoptive parents who literally have been my greatest blessing. And so knowing the circumstances at 37 was kind of a, a shock for me, um, but it really made me dig deep within myself and look at my, my, um, my life through a lens. And if you've never been in a tragedy, it, it's, it's almost like you're focused on one thing and that was how I felt in my worth. And I had to dig deep in, into my faith and find that, you know, we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. We're all knit in our mother's wounds and we're made in the image of God. And, and that wasn't just talking about somebody who was planned, you know, a child who was planned. That's talking about all of us. And I really had to learn that. And when I did, Christ started me down this path of, of making these boxes to allow mothers who don't want or can't care for their newborn children to, to place them in a safe place, which my birth mom did not have. And so I, I'm pretty blessed to be able to walk this, this road um, that Christ has given me. Uh, it's a pretty big job, but uh, I'm up for the challenge. Now, where were you? Where did she put you when she left? she actually left me at a hospital. Um, so she did leave me at a safe place. And that's, you know, that's probably one of the most, um, the, the one thing, you know, when you find a baby abandoned uh, in the United States, the first thing I look at is where was this baby left? Was it in a trash can? Was it in a dumpster? Or was it at the door of a hospital? Was it at the door of a fire station? Was it on the front porch of a home? Because when you look at the circumstances regarding these situations, these babies that are being placed at the doors of ER, the doors of uh, fire stations or on the front porch of a home, it's not that these mothers want these babies to die. They just don't want to be known or don't want their face seen. And that's why the boxes are so important. They, they give that that piece of anonymity that these mothers have so desperately wanted for so many years. And that's why they work. You know, that's why the boxes work and it's allowing these mothers to remain 100% anonymous. Now you mentioned the safe haven law. Can you explain that? Yeah. So the safe haven law has been around for the last 20 years. And it basically says that if you don't want or can't care for your newborn child, you can walk into any fire station, police station, hospital, or designated safe haven locations. Some states have churches um, and, and hand your child to a person and turn around and walk away. No questions asked. The hard part for some of these moms, though, is the face to face interaction, looking these these workers in the face and saying, you know, Basically, I want what's best for my child and it's not me. And that's got to be one of the hardest things a mother ever, ever does. And um, 
So, you know, we basically take that face-to-face interaction away. The Safe Haven Baby Boxes takes the face-to-face interaction away, but the safety is still there. This child is placed in a box. On the other side of this box is first responders, paramedics, nurses, doctors that can care for this child um, and still allow the mom um, the option to not have her identity known by anyone, not anyone. Mm-hmm. Now, what explain the boxes? Like, why are they special? How do they keep the baby safe? Well, the boxes uh, over the years, you know, we start, I started this um, project in 2013. And in 2016, we launched our first two baby boxes. And those two baby boxes almost look like antiques now. We've, we've replaced them with the newest models. But, you know, they were safe. You know, we, we designed them to be safe. But electronics has advanced so much. So we continue to make these safer. And so the box itself, when a mom places, basically we cut a hole out of the side of a fire station, like we're putting a window in. Mm -hmm. And so the box literally slides into that window. So the inside of the the baby box is on the inside of the fire station and the outside is where mom is going to place her newborn child. And so when mom walks up to this box and opens that outside door, an immediate 911 call goes out. It, she doesn't have to do anything except to open the door. And then um, uh, when she places her child on the inside, the second box or the second alarm goes off, which is not connected to the first one. So if the first one was to fail for whatever reason, the second one would not because they're not connected. Mm-hmm. And so um, when mom shuts the door, then a third alarm goes off and it locks the outer door. So uh, somebody can't walk up to the box after this mom places and, and take this child. The child can only be retrieved from the inside of the fire station from medical personnel. And um, the boxes are heated, they're cooled, they're alarm activated. Uh, if the box ever loses power, it shuts itself down um, and and notifies notifies the fire department that this box cannot be used. I mean, there's so many safety features to this boxes that our electrical engineer has literally thought of every what if and put it into reality to make sure that these boxes um, are as safe as possible for these newborns. So what is the, I mean, I'm assuming it's, you know, not even a minute before someone gets the baby when the alarm goes off, something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, we have two boxes in fire stations that are um, volunteer, which we don't do this anymore. Um, but the the two boxes that are at volunteer fire stations, actually, it's it's kind of impressive because those two boxes have had three babies. Mm-hmm. So you look at why women want anonymity, and there's nobody at these fire stations. The alarms are going to go off just like normal, and they're going to the firefighters. Just kind of like if if there's a fire call, these firefighters go down to the fire station, get the fire trucks, get in the fire trucks and head to the scene. The same thing happens when they get a, a baby box alarm going off. They get in their cars, their personal vehicles, they drive down to the station, they pull the child from the box. The longest it's ever taken us to get a child from a box is four minutes. Mm-hmm. And that was at a volunteer fire station. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and the, 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 the quickest child was retrieved in 45 seconds. So wow. we're between 45 seconds and four minutes, but that's a, that's enough time for mom to get away as well. But the two locations that are at volunteer fire stations, it's, it's pretty impressive that both of those volunteer locations never had a baby surrendered under the existing safe haven law for the last 20 years. But now they've had three babies in their boxes and no one was there when these moms placed these children. Yeah. And, and it's pretty how, how do you think people are, 
learning about them because obviously you got to get the word out there and make sure that people you know know that they're there because I'm sure a lot of people don't know yet. So how are you spreading the word? Yeah, you know that's probably the biggest um, the the biggest part of our program that we have to keep on every single day. Um, because you're right, if they don't know that they're available, they're not going to use them and they're going to probably pick an unsafe place to place their child. And so we do billboards, we do campaigns, we do um, social media is huge for us. Every time we do something, it's in the media. We make sure that the media is notified because the media is our friend. They're getting this information yeah. out to the people that need to hear it um, that we don't reach. And we have actually had a couple of the moms now these moms don't have to contact us. They can place their child in the box and turn around and walk away. But we do have these moms. We've we've had quite a few of the moms that have placed in our box contact us afterwards. And so um, getting to know these moms, we get to know their stories and we get to know how they heard about the boxes and, and stuff like that. And um, the second baby ever placed in one of our boxes learned of the boxes because of the first baby story that where the first baby was placed in the box. And see, the um, the safe haven law that's been around for the last 20 years, nobody was talking about it. Nobody was, was you know, you know uh, promoting the safe surrenders and saying, look, this is a good thing. You know, this baby is saved. Let's, let's put this out there. Let's educate people on it. And let's, and I hate to say the word advertise, but let's, let's put it out there. Let's advertise that this baby was saved. This is a great thing. And, and so, um, I knew that that was something that I wanted to do because I wanted these moms to also get an understanding that we're still available to help in any, um, uh, with anything medical, uh, emotional, physical, spiritual, um, if they want to reach out to us after they use our boxes. And then I also want these moms to know that their box, the box worked because these boxes are silent. The alarms are silent. Mom hears nothing. She places mm -hmm. her child in a box and walks away, not knowing, okay, did it work? Did it not work? You know? And so for us, coming out a day or three days later and saying, look, we had a baby in one of these boxes and it is an amazing thing. Thank you to the mother who chose this selfless decision and just encourage her that we're available to help. Um, it is, is pivotal, but, um, but we advertise our surrenders. We do. And um, we've had moms that contacted us that thanked us for doing that because they didn't know if the box worked, you know, and, and this was, and plus we also tell them, Hey, you know, we had a healthy newborn. They want to know if their babies are healthy. These babies aren't born in hospitals. They want to know this. It's not that they don't love these children. They do. They just yeah. are in a situation they're they don't be, I, I would think they're going to be checking like, hey, did any, anything come out in the news about this? Like, what yeah. happened? That makes so yeah. much sense. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes it might be hard for people to understand, you know, how does this happen? Because abortion is legal. You know, that's an option that people have. Um, obviously, you can choose an adoption. But I'm thinking, and this is just me speculating, but I'm thinking that in, a, in some of these situations, people go into fight or flight or freeze, you know, the three things that can happen. And freeze is one of the most common. And so, Freezing mm -hmm. is not making a decision to have an abortion and not making a decision to have an adoption. And then all of a sudden, here you go. Like you have to figure yeah. out what you're doing. And so to have an option at that stage, I think is just so important and not something that anyone thinks would ever happen, but it, yet it does. We see the proof that it happens. So that that's so amazing. Now you, you had seen this in South Africa. Is that right? 
Yes. And that's where you got the initial idea? Yeah, I didn't even know baby boxes existed, you know, and I was still trying to, you know, to deal with the emotional aspect of basically being abandoned and unwanted as a child and the emotional toll that ta that takes on you. Because it had just been, I think, three years prior to that day when I was in South Africa that I found all this out, you know, when I met my birth mom. And, and so when I was there and I was looking at this, it was like the wheels were just turning like, oh my goodness, like what is happening here? Why am I at the only church in Cape Town, South Africa that has a baby safe? And, you know, I was like, okay, Christ, what are you doing? <laughs> Where am I going with this? And what are you wanting me to do? And so I, on the, on the flight home from Cape Town, South Africa, I hand drew what I envisioned a baby box to be on a uh, airplane napkin. And I still have that napkin today. And um, and that is literally where Baby Boxes was birthed, was on a Delta flight from Johannesburg, <laughs> South Africa to Atlanta, Georgia. And um, Christ, Christ had his hand on us the entire time because um, he put us exactly in the place where we needed to be at the exact time with the person who knew what the baby safe was for at that church. Mm -hmm. Now, how did you proceed once you got home? It's, you know, it's no small thing to start an organization to get someone to create something for you? How did that? Yeah. Well, I had to get, you know, and it was, it was kind of interesting because this had never been done in America before. So of course, not only am I like changing the hearts and minds of people saying, Hey, don't dump your child in a dumpster. Don't dump it in a trash can. I'm giving you a safe option at this point. And so I got back to the United States and I went to a builder in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I said, I want you to build it or my computer is about to die. <laughs> Go <you> ahead. Good? <laughs> You're good. You can keep talking. Okay. So, uh, so I went to this builder in Fort Wayne, Indiana and I'm like, Hey, uh, I got this picture. I want you to build this and this is what it's for. And he's looking at me like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, like, what is she, who is this woman? And what does she, a baby box? What are you going to yeah. do with this baby box? And I'm like, well, I'm going to put it in fire stations. I'm going to save babies. I'm going to do this. And I'll tell you, it, he is still my builder today oh. and he believes in the mission. He's also a firefighter. So that helps because firefighters, you know, we, we have the same mentality of helping others, you know? And so he's still my builder today. He has been through the rocky parts with me. He built the very first prototype. They're building boxes today as we speak. Um, but it, it isn't anything easy. You know, I also had to go to a legislator and say, Hey, um, I want you to pass me a baby box villain. He's like, Oh, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, you know, so I had to literally educate and show what I had done because I had looked at the stats of where these babies were being left. I had looked at what these mothers were trying to tell us, you know, give me a safe place to do this without walking in and feeling judged and feeling shamed. And so I got very lucky to um, to connect with Casey Cox, who was he was a, a representative out of the Fort Wayne area um, when I first launched. And then, of course, my builder, who is now my builder today, um, that's still my builder today. And um, um, it just kind of and, and this is how Christ works when he wants you to do something. Things just kind of fall into place. And yeah, it hasn't been without. Um, struggle either. You know, yeah. I mean, there's always a struggle. It's never easy climbing up to the top of a mountain and nobody was ever just plopped there. So right. it hasn't been without struggle, but, but Christ has our back. So. 
So how much does it cost for one baby box? Well, to build an actual box with all the electronics, the signage, um, the banners and stuff, it's right about $5,200. We don't have a, an assembly line that these boxes go down. It is, you know, uh, there's actually three people's hands that are on these boxes and that's it. And that, and that's how I wanted to build them. I didn't, I, I'm not here to make money. I'm here to, you know, to further the mission that Christ has put us on. And, and so the box itself runs right about 5,200, but we don't sell them. And this is probably the biggest misconception that we get because we charge $10,000 up front. And what we do is some of that money gets set aside. Um, and these locations lease these boxes from us. So the box in Michigan city, Indiana, which has had two babies in their boxes was actually paid for by the Knights of Columbus. Um, and they gave us $10,000, but we've been maintaining this box since 2016 and we'll continue to maintain this box. So the fire department doesn't have that liability issue on them. We've also replaced their box, which cost them nothing because they had one of the antique boxes, you know, the original boxes that we had, we've already replaced that. It didn't cost them anything. So in the long run, you know, 20 years from now, they've paid $10,000 to have this box. We're going to well exceed those costs yeah. in 20 years. But I didn't want it to be outrageous to where people couldn't afford them. But I also wanted to make sure that I could maintain them and upgrade them over the years. And yeah. so, and it also has oversight on them. You know, we have oversight on the fire department. Not that the fire department wouldn't do their job, but we want to make sure they're doing their job because of child's life is hanging in the balance if they're not doing their job. So, yeah. um, so we've put this program together um, and that is the initial fee up front for them to lease a box with us. And how do you, I guess, not that people necessarily need convincing to try to save the lives of babies, but you know, what are you saying to these fire stations and different community places um, to get them to consider, you know, taking one? You know, um, I'll tell you, 95% of the locations contact us first. Oh, really? We, okay. we don't, yeah, we don't go looking for locations. Now, we've got, we've got some grants from organizations, and they're like, hey, we want a box in Indianapolis. Hey, we want a box in, you know, whatever. And so we have to look for those locations. And what we do is we try to find where there's been abandoned babies, because where there's been abandoned babies, they know the outcome that mm -hmm. could go wrong they don't have a safe place. And, but the majority of our, our calls come from fire stations that say, Hey, we had an abandoned baby five years ago. We don't want to do that again. We want to be proactive and give these moms an option. So they usually contact us, which is pretty, pretty amazing from the first responders that we deal with. Now, I don't know if you can share, you said you have heard from some of the moms that have surrendered. Yeah. Can you share anything that you've heard from them? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the moms and we've, we've, uh, we've been in contact with five out of the six moms that have been, that have placed babies in our boxes. And these are either before they placed in our box, we gave them information or after they surrendered in our box, we gave them information. And, um, one of the moms, um, that, uh, that surrendered in our box, um, contacted us like 21 days later. Mm -hmm. And we, we have a prayer chain. We pray for these moms because, it's got to be one of the toughest decisions that they ever, they ever go through. And so she contacted us on day 21 and um, she actually wrote us a letter and I haven't released the letter yet. I, I probably will. Um, and she is, she's amazing, literally just absolutely amazing. But one of the things that she said in the letter really made me think and really was pivotal to why I do what I do. But she said, 
Um, and, and she was explaining why she chose the baby box in this part of her letter. And she said, I didn't want to have to justify my decision to anyone or have them talk me out of this. Mm. And I sat there and I thought, you know, because when a, when a woman walks into a hospital, I mean, our first reaction, even as firefighters is, let me help you. Let me, let, let's try and figure this out. Yeah. This mom is saying, I didn't want that. I, I, I didn't want you to talk me out of it. And I didn't, I didn't want to have to justify why I'm doing this to you. And so um, her telling me that really kind of brought down the, the fact that we are helping these moms with the decisions that they want to make and um, and giving them every option possible um, to do the right thing. And, and they are doing the right thing because we've had a record number of babies in boxes in Indiana, you know, just last year, you know, we had three in our boxes last year, which is, um, which is huge. Yeah. And I think, wasn't there something recently on the news showing a, one of the babies that got adopted? Oh, baby Grace. Yeah. yeah. Baby Grace was uh, placed in the Hammond baby box on September 7th, uh, 2019 um, at the hospital um, baby box. And we have had contact with her mom. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just a beautiful story. Uh, her adoptive parents are absolutely amazing. Um, they will be at our banquet this year. We have our big banquet coming up. It was supposed to be in April. And then we, have, of course, had to change yes. it to August. Yeah. And she is going to be one of the babies that we uh, reunite with the nurses that pulled her from the box. We, we do this every year. We bring the babies that were placed in our boxes and we reunite them with the firefighters or the hospital staff. And, and it's always just a heartwarming, this is why we do what we do. And, um, and give, you know, our, our supporters just a little glimpse of the, um, the fruits of our labor uh, when these babies yeah. are presented. So yeah, she's she's absolutely adorable. Her little cheeks, I just want to kiss them every time I see her. She's I'll just- I'll try to link that in the notes, that uh, the link to the new story. Yeah, she's so sweet. I got to meet her in uh, in Hammond actually, and she's just as precious. She's always happy and uh, she's just beautiful. Just her wow. mom, her birth mom did such an amazing job um, choosing life for her and, and doing everything to keep her safe. Yeah, and I, I love how you were saying earlier that the media are your friend because, I mean, who does not want to see the story of a little baby whose life was saved? I mean, yeah. that's a happy story no matter where you stand on, on the issues. And so yeah. I think it's really awesome. And it's also such a a testament to to the life cause just in general. So I think that's that's so great. Now, how many people do you work with at your organization? Is it just you and you have volunteers or do you have a whole staff? No, we do. We have to have a staff. We're in work. Uh, right now we're in five states. Um, oh, yeah. that's, big. that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it does take a lot of us. We do have a ton of volunteers though, that, uh, that work from home. One of our, our social media director, I always bring him up because he's a stay at home dad. He's got three kids and his wife is a teacher and he's a stay at home dad. And, and he contacted us, I don't know, three or four years ago when we first started says, Hey, I'd love to help. And we're like, Oh, that's great. We need to meet, you know, and he's huge in media. And we're like, Oh, we could so use you for social media. Well, we hired him. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So yeah. you know, he started out as a volunteer, but he's just invaluable and um, he knows social media. He knows how to get the word out. And, and so, yeah, we do have a staff. It, it, we have to at this point um, to do what we do. And you have a 24 hour hotline? We do. Uh, we have a uh, staffed counselor that um, runs that hotline and uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
Um, you can anyone can call her and ask for information on the safe haven law parenting. Um, you know, we do adoption uh, referrals. We don't we're not an adoption agency. Um, we just refer to organizations that are in this, you know, the birth moms um, uh, local area. Uh, but, you know, we give her all her options, all her safe options and um, let her make that decision. You know, she's the one that's got to live with that. And her making that decision is 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 a good thing because um, it gives her the control. But she can call. It's one eight six six nine nine baby one. It's on our website, all of our billboards, all of our literature. It's everywhere. Just go to Google and type in safe haven baby boxes. That number will come up. Um, and again, it's 24 hours a day. Um. Oh, I just lost my question. I had it in my head. Where, where to go? Uh, let me think here. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you, what is the protocol or what happens if a, if a woman does surrender and then say she comes back the next day or, or something? What, what happens then? Well, we have had this happen. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, our organization is not just about saving babies in boxes. It's about saving moms as well. And our organization, we have what we call a legal defense fund and it's set up for moms. And uh, we always have $10,000 sitting in this fund because we know we're going to have to defend mothers um, sooner or later or help them legally. And so this fund was pivotal in, um, uh, this was 2018 um, a mom did come back eight days after she placed in the box and said, I, I want my child back. And so we hired an attorney for her and the, went in front of a judge. We was beside her every step of the way. Uh, they ordered a DNA test, of course, because we don't know who placed this child in our box. Right. And it came back that she was the mother. We were pretty sure of that anyway, because of some of the situation or some of the, um, uh, the uh, circumstances regarding uh, this child. And and so we did um, walk alongside her. And so through that process, though, if we're going to put that kind of money towards you getting your child back, you're going to go through a counseling service because there's a reason why you were at our box initially. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to make sure that that crisis is gone now. Yes. And so through that process, we did put her in counseling. And she determined that she probably wasn't the best choice for this child. To you know, she wasn't, it wasn't the best for her to parent this child. And so then we kind of shifted gears and went to finding an adoption agency in her area. And um, she chose the parents who are now raising her child. And she has an open adoption with this child. And that's honestly, that is like, that warms my heart because that's a good outcome. You know, I mean, safe haven law is a good outcome if it's the last option this mom has left. But I really want these moms to be at peace. And she was not going to be at peace leaving this child and, you know, uh, in, in this, you know, basically being adopted and not knowing where this child went. And so to be able to help her um, come to grips and, and, and help her, you know, manage that situation um, was huge. She's now a volunteer for our organization. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. So, so, I mean, it literally is full circle. And, and she does talk with some of these moms that have chosen to surrender or want to surrender. Um, she talks to a lot of birth moms. And so that's that's pivotal for us as well. Wow. That's a really cool story. Um, now for you, I, I should have prepped you for this, but is there anyone that is particularly inspiring to you or um, anything that sort of anyone that's been sort of a role model for you in this and your life's work? Um, anything like that? You know, um, my adoptive parents, I always say, have been um, the rock that holds me, you know, that kind of grounds me a little bit. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a medic and a firefighter, so I fly by the seat of my pants all the time. And my adoptive parents have been 
by my side, 100% supportive. They wear my baby box t-shirts. I mean, it's just, they're just amazing. You know, Linda Zanacco is another person, her faith. You know, there's days where I am like, oh, seriously, you know, and it's like, but she's so faithful, you know, and, and she really inspires me every time she says that, you know, with baby Amelia, she just said yes, you know, and it's like, I need to say yes more, you know, and, um, and it's, it's kind of, kind of gone full circle. I don't know how much time we have, but uh, one of the moms that contacted us um, had a one-year-old that um, DCS took from her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you sit there and you tell a mother that you will help her in whatever way you can, you, you better be willing to put your foot, you know, on that path because yeah. don't lie to these moms. And, and so I did say that to her. I said, I'll help you any way I can. You know, she wanted to surrender in one of our boxes and, um, and, uh, um, but DCS did take her one-year-old and she contacted me on a Saturday night. I was speaking at a banquet and said, Monica, I need your help. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. What, what's going on? And she's like, can you take K? And we just call her by her first initial, but, yeah. and I'm like, what's wrong with K? And she said, well, you know, a situation happened and DCS got involved and they put her in foster care. And I'm like, what? I said, DCS is not just going to give me your kid. And yeah. she's like, no, they will. And I'm like, are you sure? And um, she's like, I promise, you know, I'll do everything that I need to do to get her back. And, and so what turned into having her for 60 days, I've now had this one-year-old for seven months and we're you still, still have her. Mom. we still have her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And so I did it through a kinship care, which a lot of people don't realize that you can do this. I mean, you don't get any money to, to take care of this child, but I wasn't looking for that anyway. I yeah. was, you know, um, walking this path of saying yes, kind of like Linda does all the time. And, and so the funny thing about this story is we just love her. Oh my gosh. She's just so awesome. And, um, the funny thing about all this is I was speaking at this banquet. My husband was sitting at this table and I had to go back into this room where my husband was before I was speaking. Cause we were eating dinner and it wasn't time for me to speak yet when this mother was calling me and blowing up my phone. And I walked back in, I looked at my husband and I said, how much do you love me? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, what did you do? <laughs> you know, it was kind of like, because he knows me so well now he knows he's, it's like, uh, I can't say no to you yeah. know something. And yeah, so, no. so we're fostering a one-year-old because you know, Linda has inspired me to say yes more. And, and yeah. here I am at almost 50 years old with a, you know, potty trading. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, you know, that I would definitely say that Linda has been a true inspiration and, and just opening up and saying yes more. Um, oh, that's, that's so cool. It's so, yeah. it's so great. I just actually have spent the morning working on a story that I'm writing um, for a newspaper about um, how pregnancy centers have really stepped up during COVID-19. And so I'm sort of on this, just on this kick now, just thinking about how great it is for women to realize that they're supported just everywhere in their yeah. communities. Just like there are safety nets and resources all over the place. And sometimes I feel like the information is not out there enough. And that's right. why I want to talk to you. And that's why I want to write about it for various places. Just make sure that people realize that um, they have options and there are choices to be made that are not the only one is not walking into Planned Parenthood. And so, right. um, yeah, and I get choked up like I'm going to cry about it because I think it's so important. But um, 
yeah, I think the work that you're doing is so important. Um, now, go ahead. No, I said thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, and now I saw that you guys were having Willie Robertson at your banquet. So tell me about that. How did you get that? Uh, you know, uh, we're there's five of us on our board of directors for Safe Haven Baby Boxes that were adopted. So adoption is so close to all of our hearts. And of course, Willie has adopted three of his kids. And so it just made sense to have somebody that was so into adoption be our speaker this year. And so Willie uh, agreed to come and speak in Indiana. And of course, it was supposed to be in April. Now it's uh, August 7th. Hopefully by then we'll be able to get together and do this. And But, you know, we have our babies that have been adopted that come to all of our, you know, our banquets and, and we reunite them with the firefighters. So uh, this theme is on adoption. Um, adoption unleashes possibility and the possibilities with adoption are endless. And we just want to highlight that we've also opened up 500 tables to um, foster kids, you know, foster kids that are aging out of the system. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, I was one of the lucky ones that was adopted as a, you know, as a, as a baby. And but some of these kids go through the system for years mm -hmm. and I want them to be inspired. I want them to know that one person can change your life and influence you in a way where you can go out and do Christ's work. And I think that Willie Robertson has just, you know, they've picked themselves up from the bootstraps, you know, his dad and, and, and now look where he's at today um, that hopefully he can inspire some of these kids that are going to join us um, at the, at the event on April, on August, I keep saying April on August 7th. So life has been flipped upside down for us all. Yeah. yeah. I was glad to see that you're having it in August. And I was like, hmm, I'm actually only two hours away. Maybe I should buy a ticket. You, should, you know, you should, if for any other reason to come and see how these firefighters love these babies. I mean, because they don't follow what happens with these babies. We, it's kind of like a car accident victim. You don't know what happens to that victim, you know, as a mm -hmm. medic or a firefighter, you just know that it happened. Then you go on to the next one. And, and so we take the time and reunite them. And and this is one of the, the best runs that they've ever been on, you know, when, the, when you save the life of a child. And so if for any other reason, just come to to show your support for the firefighters and the, the hospital staffs that are saving these babies in boxes every day. Yeah. Uh, every day. All right, Monica. Well, thank you so much for sharing the story. And I'm looking forward to just getting more information out there about baby boxes. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for sharing our message and our ministry. This episode was brought to you in part by Just These Guys, you know? A pastor and a psychologist team up to break down scripture and psychology, empowering you to transform by the renewing of your mind. Listen today at justtheseguys.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just These Guys, you know?